Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. My co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this on Tuesday, June 16th, 2020. And Aaron, how do we not sound like a broken record? We get Everything these days is about COVID, isn't it? It's all about the sickness. Are you down with the sickness? I'm mm-hmm. down with the sickness. <laughs> so, I wanna, if we had the rights to play any of that song, we would right now at great volume, but no, we cannot. So we'll move on. <laughs> okay. Well, I know we've all gotten tired of playing the change the release date game. Uh, in fact, we should the, get a wheel. Yeah. That's what, yeah, let's just get a wheel, Jim, and spin it randomly, and we'll just go, ta-da, this is the new date for X movie. We'll, we'll need two wheels, one for the movie title and another wheel for a date. Mm-hmm. And and this will settle all of our, our things in the future is just we'll spin wheels, and that will determine what happens. Prior to recording, weren't, weren't you saying something effective about the new mutants? Oh, yeah, that's right. We're actually, I've, I've got so many game ideas for how we change movies. The, yeah, the original idea, I guess, I had earlier was we'll call it the new mutants game. And if anybody can get their release date moved more than New Mutants gets theirs moved, they win the Golden Poopy Award. Uh, yeah. So, has, by the way, has New Mutants been moved at all in this list? I haven't looked at it yet. Are they in the pile? There is literally no news, though I have just recently picked up the latest issue of Cinefx Magazine, uh, issue number 170, and they have a full feature piece about all of the effects work that was done in uh, Medfield, Massachusetts at the former mental hospital about the stuff they shot on location and the digital replacement and that sort of thing. And I have it ready to talk about this movie if it ever comes out. And it, it's never coming out, is it? The New Mutants, oh. by the way, are starting to get mail to sign up for the AARP <laughs> stuff. And it's not looking good, I've got to tell not you. Not looking good. Not no. looking good. Okay, speaking of, of not looking good, and forgive me again, I'm, I'm going to make this as quick as possible, folks, but we do have to talk about what just happened with Wonder Woman 1984. This movie was supposed to originally come out in November of 2019, and I'm sure there there's a somebody in a corner office at Warner's who's drinking heavily about, like, why didn't we put it out then? Why? Yep, yep. Because um, now we could be putting out the digital and making money on the, on the second half of its lifespan, and oh, shucks. That's it, exactly. Because, again, due to production issues, this Patty Jenkins movie gets its release date pushed from November 2019 to June 5th, and then COVID happens. So on March 24th, they announce, okay, move that from June 5th to August 12th. Then, just this past Friday, they announced they are moving the August 12th release date to October 2nd. Now, what's concerning about this, and, and a tip of the hat to our, our pal, Drew Taylor, you know, the gentleman I do fine-tuning with, and the gentleman who's also just become a, an editor over at Collider. Congrats to him. What happened was that Warner Brothers, when they were doing this announcement, sent out an image of a movie marquee. And so it said Wonder Woman 1984, and it listed below it the release date of October 2nd. But the interesting thing is someone at Warner screwed up, and they initially sent out a different image. And what this said, Aaron, was Wonder Woman 1984 Thanksgiving 2020, which is a full eight weeks later. If Warner's is already looking at, you know, the notion of, you know, <laughs> and again, in a very New Mutant sort of way, it's like, you know, that, that October 2nd is kind of the holding pattern that, but, you know, we, we, we were also thinking of maybe that Wonder Woman 1984 may have to be released. You know, they got uh, a wheel. They, that's, what it, that's what it is. I, They've got a wheel full of posters. Each one's got a different damn date. They spin the wheel and they, he, the guy grabbed the wrong poster. That could well be. On the All other right. hand, the nice thing is to know that the, this this means it's there's some place we can actually go to buy this wheel. All right, you know because <laughs> they're making them. They're making for, them for they're, them. They're, okay. All right. Okay. All right. But but this coupled with the news that just broke about how the Academy Awards for 2021 are being pushed from uh, February 28th to April 25th of next year. It's hard not to look at the, this info about the Academy Awards being pushed back into the spring of next year, you know, with uh, Warner Brothers already having a second date picked 
out, ready to go for to move Wonder Woman yet again. And then the other kicker, uh, also on Friday, that Christopher Nolan's Tenant, which mm-hmm. was supposed to open on July 17th. And the idea was that that it was, in a weird sort of way, it was, it was going to plow the road for Disney's Mulan, which was going to open on July 24th. And, you know, the whole notion is that people are going to go to the theaters, they were going to see a brand new Christopher Nolan movie, they were going to have such a wonderful time that the very next weekend is like, ooh, we have to do that again. And what else is out? Oh, Mulan, let's go see that. But then on the same day they announced that, that Wonder Woman 1984 is shifting from August 12th to October 2nd, they announced that the Christopher Nolan movie was now being pushed to July 31st. Have you seen the trailer for Tenet? I have. I have. Okay. I'll be damned if I know what's going on. The ge- the general idea, well, Tenet is a, a palindrome that goes forwards and backwards the same, right? You know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so Christopher Nolan likes to play with time, mm-hmm. and it looks like, as they so cleverly had in the trailer, don't imagine as, you know, firing the bullets. Imagine as, you know, like you're scooping them up or, or picking mm-hmm. them up into your gun or whatever the heck it was that they said. But it's like time moving backwards. Mm-hmm. In, in what would have been, should have been, a true Christopher Nolan moment to mm-hmm. help hype up the concept of that film and time going backwards, they should have moved the, the release date forward. <laughs> that, would have made, that would have made so much impact I mean, come on. That's, you know, that's it, Christopher it's, Nolan it's being so ballsy. Interesting that you say this because the, the other day I was, we have this wonderful auto repair shop and they, they do these wonderful signs. And just this past week, it's like, interested in time travel? Be here last Friday at 7 p.m. And it was just sort of like, yes, that's what, you know, again, push forward the release date, you know, because that would be much more in the tenant spirit. But yeah, totally. Anyway, to get back to Milan, Milan is now the lead sled dog. It's still got its July 17th release, or excuse me, July 24th release date. It's the first thing out of the gate, first giant Hollywood production. And it's supposed to convince everybody that they want to go back to theaters. And from what I'm hearing, exhibitors just don't believe there's enough demand for Mulan. They think that it's it's not enough to get people who are concerned about their safety out of their homes and back into theaters. And the fear is now, if they put it out there and it underperforms, what happens on Monday morning when the stock market opens, what happens to the theater chains like AMC or what happens to Disney stock or that sort mm-hmm. of thing. So at the hard reality is if Mulan moves, Black Widow moves too. In fact, what I'm hearing is that at the very least, we're looking at a situation where Mulan will shift to August, more likely September, and that would then mean that Black Widow, to allow for breathing space, that would shift to at least Christmas and possibly January. So that'd be kind of like Eternal's original starting point. And there you go. There you go. Both of these films, Mulan and Black Widow, depending on who you talk to at the studio, they cost at least $150 million apiece, closer to $200 million. And both of them were planned to be billion-dollar earners for the company, to do well stateside and overseas. And the thinking at the company is – these are investment properties. We put a lot of money into these things. We are not going to put this on Disney+. Plus. First of all, Black Widow was supposed to kick off the phase four of the MCU. Uh, you know, and, and in the case of Mulan, they had already started development on Mulan 2. Yeah, well, I, I think the whole world's got problems right now of this isn't how we plan things. Yeah, this is not what the, what our you know summer was supposed to look like. We yeah. had different plans. We did. We and... Did. Uh, Things change and you either adapt or you don't. And if you don't, uh, mm. go talk to dinosaurs about how that works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. That's it's <laughs> the little furry things that can crawl into the holes and the crevices that survive that one. Okay. Well, speaking of, of surviving, a lot of, we've talked about this on the show the past couple of months, a lot of comic book shops, a lot of game stores. This has been a tough time, and some of them have introduced, you know, curbside pickup and, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, But at the same time, the fact that you had places like 
Diamond Distribution, the, the guys who actually physically get the comic books to the store, you know, stop making deliveries. And you had the DCs and the Marvels of the world cut back on the number of books they were putting out there, because obviously if they the stores aren't open, what's the point of publishing? Have you heard about this thing that Diamond's doing, the back the comeback thing? Yeah, and I don't understand it. So please explain it so it makes sense to me, because right now I'm not, I, I haven't seen well, or figured out what the goal is. Okay, you're the one who, who you know, told the wonderful stories about the, the comic code thing they used to put on the outside of the, the comic book. But again, you, you knew to buy the book. And in fact, was, all right, you've told the story, is it the Iron Man issue? I can't remember if Demon in a Bottle skipped it, but the first one was when, uh, I think it was Harry Osborn gets hooked mm -hmm. on smack. I don't know ah. if it was smack, okay. but he was doing the drugs. The drugs mm -hmm. is bad, okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, so Spidey had to help his friend kick the drugs. And mm -hmm. the, the government had asked Stan, hey, can you do a comic that says drugs are bad? Stan did the comic. Mm -hmm. Then they looked at it and went, oh, no, you put drugs in the comic. And he went, yeah, because drugs are bad, okay? And they went, no, 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 you can't have drugs in the comics. And he's, well, then how do we show that drugs is bad? And, and so that was the argument. And so if they published the comic with the drugs in it, then they wouldn't get the comic book code on that comic book, which meant the doom of Marvel. And uh, you really like that? Yeah, I do. I do. And uh, yeah, so it wasn't the end of Marvel. It was just a moment where mm -hmm. they proudly put out what they believed was right, and they risked something, mm -hmm. and nothing bad happened. And uh, here we are today. And I think Demon in the Bottle may have been one of those issues where they did. I, I would have to go back and look specifically okay. to see if it got skipped or not. But okay. yeah, that was a general idea. If you said something bad, then boy, oh boy, you weren't going to get a little stamp on your comic. And the funny thing is, I think there are a lot of comic book creators who are like, oh, well, if we don't need it, I will strive to make sure I never get one by accident. <laughs> And that's where I ended up reading a lot of my stuff, you know, like Spawn, you know, here's a oh. character that came straight from hell. Yeah. Good luck getting your stamp. So, yep, well, right. Okay. Well, anyway, to sort of bring this full circle, what Diamond has decided to do is they, they want to get across the message, look, we're all into this together and we're supporting the, the small comic books, you know, shops, the, the tiny game stores that, you know, we want to get across the message to the effect of, you know, we're all going to make a, a comeback after, you know, what happened with COVID. In fact, the, the phrase they're using is our comeback will be bigger than our setback. Which mm. <laughs> just, I mean, the math, I think, works out, but it, the sentiment Mm, no. Yeah. You know, well, you know, this is what happens when, you know, you, your nephew, nephew who, who studied marketing community college came, comes up with the slogan. But that uh, should have spent a little bit more time in the boiler room before that got released out into the public, I think. Uh, yeah. So, but, OK, so they're they're coming back. That's right. And how are they? What are they doing differently? What's the what's the well, thing? Well, the idea is that two, they'll be, they've convinced, uh, for example, and Marvel's on board with this idea, and I, I, I think DC as well, that they're publishing a variant issue that actually has this uh, stamp in the corner. Uh, and, nope. you know, the, Nope, 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 nope. And you lost me at variant, Jim. And I'm going to give people a quick history lesson because sometimes you come here for history lessons. So we're going to mm -hmm. give you the Aza history, which is super short. Long time ago, they used to do like nine variant covers for one issue. It destroyed the comic book market. The end. Don't mm -hmm. do it again. Why? Why do we have to go back to variants? Why? Well, I guess it's their thing. Never mind. Uh, it's the I, only thing they know how to do. Go ahead. This is true. Uh, but anyway, it's it's. It, you know, if, if you want to get on board with this, folks, uh, now, mind you, supposedly the issue that Marvel will be putting the stamp on is uh, Empire with a Y, uh, number one. And there'll be a variant cover that comes out July 15th, I believe. But, you know, if you, you want to get on board with this, there's a hashtag back the comeback. And uh, look, you know, we all want our, our little local comic book stores and game stores to survive. So maybe, maybe make an exception. I mean, I get what Aaron's saying and it, you know. Well, here's the thing. I mean, you know, I, I don't know how well some comic book stores cater to their customers, but mm -hmm. if you're a good customer mm -hmm. and you're there regularly, you'll have a pull list and mm -hmm. you know how it works. You walk into the store, you hand them a little bit of money. They hand you a bag full of paper and ink. You walk mm -hmm. away happy 
It's a it's a transaction that it ha- is so smooth. It's almost like a drug deal in the park. Nobody saw it happen. Mm-hmm. You don't really need to do a whole lot. To, I mean, everyone likes to browse, mm-hmm. but to support your comic book shop, it takes uh, you know thirty seconds to walk in. Go mm-hmm. nod nod the head to to Jeffrey. <laughs> Jeffrey hands you a bag. You mm-hmm. hand Jeffrey a bill. You walk out. Everything's happy. So you don't you don't have to do the. If you want to support Diamond, fine. Go ahead and support Diamond. But Mm -hmm. it's the store that's important because anybody can get their comics delivered to them, to their Mm -hmm. home. You like Jeffrey. You like interacting with them from week to week. So spend your money at the store. Find a way. No, that puts it so much better than back the comeback. So, okay, then let's just. Please disregard. Just go to the local comics store. The end. Um, okay. Wear your mask. Wear your mask. But you know, and, after and, that, and yeah. wear your mask. In fact, bringing us to our next place that we need to wear a mask: Disneyland Park and Disney California Adventure are beginning their phased openings, reopenings on July seventeenth. In fact, I, I want to say the retail area opens on July 9th, I think. We've been following the Avengers Campus Project, which, by the way, was supposed to open this summer. Mm -hmm. And so the big question is, okay, what happens there? Disneyland, the resort, you know, both parks closed back on March 14th. And there really hasn't been a whole lot of movement on the Avengers Campus Project. But I I was talking with somebody about this just recently and why we, we don't have an opening date yet. For the Web Slingers, a Spider-Man adventure. Likewise, the PIM Test Kitchen or the the Web Supplier, which, by the way, that's where you're supposed to be able to go to buy your Spider-Bot after you do the whole uh, Web Slinger thing. But what I'm being told is that this is a brand new land being built right in the middle of the park, right in the middle of the Hollywood land section. And what they're now discussing is pulling down the construction fences for much of the summer. So, but but not to open the land, but basically to provide additional, you know, a queue that will allow for social distancing for the Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout ride. And while we're talking about things that get canceled or reconfigured or that sort of thing, we know that there is no physical San Diego Comic-Con this year. You're not driving mm-hmm. down to the city and going to the giant convention center. But they are doing the home edition. The question is, what sort of Marvel content are we going to get? Tom Holland is going to be from some hotel room in a bathroom. <laughs> like, oh, hey, guys, didn't see you there. Uh, I'm working on my next movie. Uh... All I've been told is expect the Marvel Studios limited series for Disney+. Plus. To do stuff. In, in fact, you know, the, I guess there's some discussion of, of we're at least going to get footage of WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I don't know how much footage. At this point, they're so far behind. I'm surprised you didn't misread that. It said they were going to be shooting some footage. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's probably not wrong either. So. But again, folks, that's July 22nd through July 26th. And, and Aaron and I will try to keep tabs on what. Marvel news is coming out of that. And again, let's circle back. Thanks again to Mr. Taylor. Uh, he did an interview just this past week with David Cope, the gentleman who uh, wrote the screenplay for Jurassic Park and the Mission Impossible movies. And he got him to talk about the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. The plan was not to just one and done, do the first film and then move on. But he wanted to do you know a full trilogy. And he had already mapped out the arc of it, and they had, uh, at least for the, the second film in the series, Spider-Man 2, they were going to kind of go psycho. Wait a minute, define that. What, what? How are they going to go psycho? Well, as in they were going to bring in Gwen Stacy, but kill her, you know, in, in much the same way that, that you know, Alfred Hitchcock got her attention by killing off the lead female character, what, 20 minutes in, but that they were going to kill off Gwen Stacy uh, halfway through uh, Spider-Man 2 and deal with, with the consequences of that, and, you know, with the thinking that, you know, this would give the second Spider-Man film that much more emotional weight, you know, make it the equivalent of of that series, Empire uh, Strikes Back. And mm-hmm. he walked away and they obviously went a, a different way with Gwen. In fact, I, I, she doesn't join 
till the third one. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is one that I struggle with because in the comics, mm-hmm. Gwen came first. Mm-hmm. And I know that. Yep. So when I first sat down to Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, even though I'm, I grew up with MJ mm-hmm. it, as my primary source of everyday, you know, reading, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I prefer MJ over Gwen just because I've, she's been in the comic history longer. So I've got to know her more as a character and, mm-hmm. and not just like an empty shell that got killed off rather quickly. Mm-hmm. So if Peter were to be with Gwen in episode one of whatever this proposed trilogy would have been. Mm-hmm. That would mean that Peter had the girl, mm-hmm. and that is not how Peter is. Peter don't get the girl right away. Peter mm-hmm. pines for the girl. That's our way into Peter. We're the loser, remember? We're the we're the kid mm-hmm. that can't fight our own battles that gets sand kicked in its face. And then we get the amazing power, and we go, ah, ha, 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 and et cetera. Mm-hmm. So just kind of like the way Spider-Man was. Pete mm-hmm. really doesn't get MJ. He pines over MJ for a long time. Mm-hmm. It takes a while for them to truly, truly get together. It's, I think, the end of the second one where Mm -hmm. it's all finally starting to be love and roses. Mm -hmm. So if you give Peter Gwen right off the bat, he's not the loser. He's the guy that gets the girl. And Mm -hmm. and that fundamentally changes the character and it it kind of rushes something. So they would have to kind of go with Gwen the way they did with MJ and give her the full three movies Mm -hmm. and kill her off in the third one. Because that would be tragic the most. I mean, yeah. if you're talking about a three-act a three act play, mm-hmm. you kill your love in the third act, a la Romeo and Juliet or whatever, but, you know, they're gone. Mm-hmm. Final, curtain closes, people would be shocked. Like, that's not how that's supposed to end. Real fluid tears dripping down their cheeks because of that. Mm-hmm. And then if you decide to do a four, that's where MJ comes through the door and says, face it, Tiger, you hit the jackpot, just like they did at the first time they met in the comic books, and you're off and running from there because by that point... Peter's had the girl. Peter can get the new girl and move on with his life and have a new damsel in distress to save, which is a whole other topic we should have to get into right now, but needs to be addressed. See, now, my question is, where were you in 1985? Because they, this is the thing, when Canon, the Canon group acquires the Spider-Man film rights, they then spend the next four years, they hire 10 different sets of screenwriters to try to sort out the Spider-Man story to make a good Spider-Man movie. And and you just did that in like three minutes. The big difference, mm-hmm. Sam was a fan of Spider-Man mm-hmm. growing up. He read the comics. Mm-hmm. I read the comics growing up as a kid. So I was a fan in the exact same way. We had the toys. We played with them. We imagined all the different stories we read from and had different artists mm-hmm. with different interpretations of the character. And, and a lot of people are hired guns to do a job. Can you write a script? Yes, I can. It's like a cook. You know, it's like, can you cook? Yes. And, and you go, okay, well then make me this African cuisine. It's like, I've never, I don't even know what the African, I'm Italian, you know, it's, it's not my thing. It's just like, well, then you're a failure as a chef, period. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, that's not how it works. So if you get someone who's a, a specialist in an area and you, and they specialize in African cuisine and you go, Hey, make some African cuisine. It's going to be bomb. It's going to be the mm-hmm. best thing you've ever tasted. That's how that whole thing works. So, you know, that's one of the messes of, of Hollywood is they should really hire the fans like they did with Sam and Sony. Those were good, pure movies with a, the director. Got it. He knew it. He was a fan. Whereas other people were hired guns. And here's why I don't like the Andrew Garfield stuff. Mm-hmm. Spidey don't need no damn cranes to make a path to swing from guys. That is the dumbest ever. And I wanted to walk out of the theater during the climax of your movie. Cause you fundamentally don't get his superpower. What the anyway. Yeah. Okay, no, no, moving no, no. on. No, you're not wrong. You know, I've actually, I've had this argument with people at DC. When we had that endless series of Batman movies that looked like they were just here to sell toys. And it's like, you you literally, you have Paul Dini. He's right over there. He's the guy right. who wrote the animated series and did such a wonderful job. And it's like, why is it that you don't bring him in? I mean, they brought him in to do the, the Arkham Asylum games. You know, the right. gaming people got it. But the film people's like, oh, God, no. You know, we don't want to work with... You know, we're making a comic book movie. Why, you know, why would we want to talk with somebody who worked on the animated series? And it's just the guy who invented Harley Quinn. You don't want him at the table. Yeah, sure. That that's good thinking. Yeah, that's a, an executive decision all the way. It's yeah. Mm. Uh, I know a guy who knows a guy. Money, Thanks. money, money. Chat, chat, chat. Lobster dinner. Martini <laughs> lunch. Good day. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Tell you what, folks. Go to the martini lunch at a lobster dinner. Go snack break. When you, and when you get back from the break, Darren has some news that actually relates to DC. You want to talk for a bit about HBO Max because of what you and Sabrina learned, right? Yeah, this is kind of like our public service announcement for the show. I was thinking about purchasing or renting HBO Max, check it out for a month, see whatever. And then I saw something online that piqued my curiosity, and I ended up uh, chatting with my wife about it. And I was like, I think we get HBO for free. And she's like, no. And then we looked up more information. And uh, we are AT&T fiber optic with the one terabyte speed. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or the one gig, whatever it is, it's the top tier of mm-hmm. fiber optic. And, uh, so we get the HBO max for free as a result. It's just that we had to go in through our user information thing on the web and find mm-hmm. a, a specific page and click on a thing. And it gave us HBO max for free. So if you're an AT&T subscriber, you got fiber optic and high speed internet, just go to your account, do some poking around and and do some Googling for HBO Max. You might get it for free. And if that's the case, then you can see the new Snyder cut of the Justice League sometime next year, I guess, is when they're touting that it will be available. Mm -hmm. A, A few months ago, I did this whole breakdown of all the different streaming platforms that were available, and HBO just seemed like they just threw a handful of dice on the table and went, Yahtzee! Mm -hmm. Because they had HBO Go, HBO Now, HBO Max. It was a lot. So Mm -hmm. they've also realized that the customers just have no general idea what the hell HBO's intent is Mm -hmm. with all of those different services, how they work, how they're different from one another. So HBO finally said, oh, by the way, we're getting rid of one of them. Mm-hmm. Whether it's HBO Now or HBO Go that goes away, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter because it's just being rebranded as the other thing that that remains. So there will be an HBO something and an HBO Max, and I still don't know quite the difference between the two, but there's a price tag involved, and you can have one or you can have the other, whatever. Figure it mm-hmm. out on your own terms. But if you're an AT&T subscriber with blazing fast internet, you get HBO Max for free. Uh, go look it up. Well, that's an excellent tip. Oh, also, you wanted to talk about the PS5 Miles Morales Spider-Man game. Yeah, initially a lot of people, it looks great first and foremost, and mm-hmm. then immediately after that, a lot of people went, hey, is this just reskinned Spider-Man game from last year or two ago? And the publisher quickly came out with, no, brand new, kind of, sort of, mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, they can use all the resources in the world from the old one, like the buildings of New York, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the animations of Spidey swinging. That's all cool. Keep that. Mm-hmm. If it worked before, there's no way need to throw that out, mm-hmm. but they are doing like a, a full new story. It's not just, you know, like a five hour expansion. That would be normally the case with an expansion. If you got a 40 hour game, they'll give you a five or 10 hour expansion pack. Mm-hmm. This is like a full, you know, full size game in that respect. Uh, the, the 40 hour version, not the five hour version. And I'm not quoting any number. I'm just saying it's, it's a larger game, not a smaller add on. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's uh, going to have all the voice actors needed to tell the story. It's going to have a script with the beginning, a middle and an end. And uh, if they do new animation, and new new skins on the old stuff so what that's just saving time mm-hmm. so they can put out quality content because apparently if it was game of the year last year uh yeah you don't, you don't need to mess with that too much do you really no, no. no. if you no. got a great new story for miles and everybody likes miles so why not yeah go for it so i'm, I'm looking forward to that and, and honestly i will be buying a playstation whatever number it is if it's on four or on five I'm buying it. And also, just because I got a nerd for a second, uh, Star Wars Squadrons just released a trailer. And because I'm an X-Wing versus TIE Fighter nerd, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm so buying whatever I have to get to fly that. If it's new Xbox, new PlayStation, old one, I don't care. I'm going to have it and be flying. And if any of our listeners want to join us at that point, I'll give you my gamer tag. And we'll we'll do a battle on X-Wing and TIE Fighter. And it will be so sweet. Very cool. Okay. Can't wait. Okay, well, again, we were talking about Miles Morales, of course, made his cinematic debut in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and back in December of 2018. And all of us OG Spider-Man fans <laughs> loved the tag scene for that, where, where Miguel O'Hara, you know, Spider-Man 2099, 
journeys back to 67 and it, it, it finds himself in the original animated series, uh, the first Spidey animated series that ran from September 67 through June of 1970. But of course, this was back in the day when if you wanted the rights to basically anything Marvel was doing, you, you kind of had to show up at the Manhattan office with the bag of money. And Stan loved to make deals. That's how the one company got the animated rights to Spider-Man. But then in the mid-70s, it, uh, CBS uh, managed to wrangle the TV rights for you know the first Spider-Man television series, which, which ran on that network from September of 77 through July of 79. And of course, those of us who remember the show and how truly terrible the Spider-Man walking on the outside of the building was. I mean, even the Burt Ward and Adam West Batman climbing up the side of the building was more convincing than Spider-Man climbing the buildings and the Speed CBS show. But again, we we were just talking earlier part of the show about the Canon group hiring those 10 different screenwriters to try to come up with one workable script for the Spider-Man movie. Well, they acquired the rights from Marvel for $225,000. They got the film rights, but they had, from when they got the rights in 1985, they only had them till April of 1990. And if they didn't finish a movie and get it out, by that time, the film rights then reverted back to Marvel. So anyway, we jump ahead to March of 89. Canon Group was, as I mentioned, that they're $2 million in now to their screenwriting effort. Like I said, they've 10 different guys have been hired and they can't deliver a decent script, but Canon Group is now in financial trouble. So they merge with Pathé Entertainment and form a new company called Pathé Communications Corp. So we jump ahead to April of 89. Israeli filmmaker Menachem Golan, who's part of the Canon Group, decides that he doesn't want to work for Pathé Communications Corporation. And he, this guy had to have a hell of a lawyer, Aaron, mm -hmm. because as part of his separation packet from that studio, Golan is awarded the movie rights to not only Spider-Man, but Captain America. He then finds this defunct film company, which I, I swear to God was called 21st Century Film Corporation, which, by the way, not to be confused with 20th Century Fox. And he, on his own, makes a deal with Marvel that extends the film rights deal. That's like, I can look, I've, I'm, a, I'm just setting up my new company. I need more time. So Marvel's like, okay, we'll extend the rights, Spider-Man rights, till 1992. And so now Manakam is, is out trying to raise money to make this film. So he turns around and, first of all, he sells the rights to theatrically release this film, which hasn't been made yet, to Carol Cole. And then he turns around and sells the rights to release this movie on a home video to Columbia Pictures. And then furthermore, he turns around and sells the film rights to just air the show on network television to Viacom. And so 1992 arrives and no Spider-Man movie has been produced yet. So Carol Cole, Columbia Pictures, and Viacom all sue Golden. And Given all the money they already invest in this project, they each now want to be awarded the film rights. And it takes two years to sort this out. But by 1995, a judge determines that the original film rights to Spider-Man from 1985, it's expired. You know, the, And the film rights, they now revert to Marvel. None of the, the companies that have you know, invested on this Spider-Man movie that, ever got, that never got made they have no claim you know they lose everything i think that was where they kind of wheeled in the cbs show from the 70s aired about 30 seconds of him clinging to the wall turned off the tv wheeled it out and never went oh okay yeah sorry we thought we had something apparently it was all a bunch of <laughs> yeah. All right. So, but you know, the sad thing is, Marvel gets back the rights just at the time that it's headed into its real financial difficulties. In fact, it's not till 1998 that Marvel emerges from bankruptcy uh, that they finally get serious about making a Spider-Man movie. So, in in 99, they turn around and sell the film rights to Columbia. Uh, for a reported seven million dollars, and this is this is where we get the Sam Remy Spider-Man. This is, you know, David Cope, you know, does the first pass on the first script. This gets out in theaters in May of two thousand two, 
and we get, you know, the trilogy over the next couple of years. Now, okay, we jump ahead to August of 2009, and this is when the Walt Disney Company buys Marvel Entertainment for $4 billion, which causes Sony to freak out. Uh, Sony, by the way, is the parent company of Columbia Pictures. Supposedly, under the terms of the deal that Sony made in 99 for the film rights to Spider-Man, which, again, they paid $7 million for, should the Marvel Corporation get purchased by another entity, the film rights are then allowed to sunset. With the stories done, and Spider-Man goes back to Disney, right? That's how this ends today? Well, no, yes? no, huh? no. That's and, and in fact, I, I have to admit, that's to me, would make sense. That all these things come home. This is August of 2009, and Disney has just acquired... 5,000 characters. And there was a discovery period and, and this sort of thing. And evidently what Sony did just sort of buy some time is they reached out to Disney and said, hey, hey, you know, while you're, you're digging through the pile there, we're working on a new Spider-Man movie, but how about this? We'll work on the movie. How would you like the Spider-Man television rights? We, we got that from Marvel back in 99 with our $7 million purchase. We'll give those to you, and you can do something with those while we make this movie. And that seemed to placate Disney for a while. No, we call hogwash on that. Okay. Disney's not a kind company that says, oh, sure, have our toys. Mm -hmm. We don't need them. If you have both your milk and your milk money, mm -hmm. Disney will punch you, steal your milk money and your milk. <laughs> That's how it goes. They're not going to leave you with one of the, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to okay. take your money, but I'm going to let, not let you go thirsty. No, <laughs> by punching you, I now am thirsty. Therefore, I need your milk. I can't bear, I can't rightly spend the money I stole from you to go purchase milk because I would have no profit. So well, that's why I need both your money and your milk, sucker. This is why you and I are not getting invited to the the, the Disney Christmas party <laughs> this year. But um, but it's interesting you bring up toys because in 2011. Disney does start making noise to the effect of, hey, the, this has language about sunsetting. Did you see this part where it says sunsetting? And Sony's yeah, response... They don't, have, they don't have any lawyers that can verify. They're just pointing and going, hey, is, is this a thing, guys? <laughs> and Sony, we're going to ask you if this is a thing. We're not going to get our own opinion over here. We're just going to go, Sony, do you want to give us our toys back? Or is, no, well, that, come on. Well, this is how the story has been explained to me. And again, it, it's, it's crucial you keep mentioning toys because what ends up happening is that Sony has gone to all the trouble to make a brand new Spider-Man movie. And they're also prepping the second Amazing Spider-Man of what's supposed to be a, at least a trilogy. Mm. And they're like, whoa, 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 wait. Hey, how about if we sell the toy rights back to you? I mean, that way you can profit from selling toys from your new animated Spider-Man movie. Because again, that's the thing that Disney had the rights to do television Spider-Man so they could do, and they, they quickly opted to do some, some animated series, but they weren't making the toy money. It's like, I tell you what, we'll sell you that back. And more to the point, you can be making money off of the toys from the amazing Spider-Man movies. And that was enough and the interesting part is if you talk with the people at Sony today, this is the part of the deal they regret the most. It was literally, oh, my God, that was the, the, the sweetest part of the fruit, that, you know, the toy money. Why did we, in our desperation to hang on to the film rights, we gave away the thing that, that gives us the most profit? None of this sounds anything like Disney at all. It sounds I, like a completely I, manufactured story. And I can't imagine to whose benefit. All I've had explained to me when I, I've had the exact same set of questions and they're like, you don't understand. If you go into the room where, you know, we literally have all of the Spider-Man rights laid out. Part of the problem is that you know, when Stan was running the company, there were a lot of fast and loose deals made. And, you know, as, as a direct result, I mean, take, for example, you know, uh, we've talked well, right about- Right now, the, the main thing is that there's a contract that the, the most recent one mm -hmm. is that if the company of Marvel gets sold, you can sunset movie rights. And right now the, the toy rights and the TV rights have been given back freely by Sony. So if that means that they can just close a window on a thing, it shouldn't matter who's attached to the thing on the other side of that window windows closed, right? 
I honestly get what you're saying, but I'm not illegal, so go ahead. There's well, a, there's no, no, a it just, it, it, no, it just it's one of these things where I, the, I you know, the, the, the I've had it described to me that the you, you literally have to have a degree in theoretical particle theory to to follow. Where how many different directions the rights run in, you know, the, okay. and again, we've talked about the master licensing agreement with the universal and the subsets within subsets within subsets of that deal. And it gets even stranger in 2014 when, remember, there was that horrible hack at Sony where the North Koreans were upset about that Seth Rogen movie about, you oh, know. Yeah. Do, yeah. That was a fun time. We should do that again. Let's upset the North no, Koreans again. No, no, no. 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 I'm sorry. Backpedal. You hear that sound of the truck backing up? That's me backing up my bullshit. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, it just, I'm just for, for us on the outside, it was great fun because we, we all these internal documents leaked out. But for Sony, it was a terrible time. And in fact, what they talked about during that period, given the financial hit that they took and, you know, how they were going to recover, they seriously talked during that period about, look, let's just sell Spider-Man outright to Disney. And, you know, we'll use that money to recover. And luckily, though, at Sony, cooler heads prevailed. And by February of 2015, what wound up happening was that's when they cut the deal with Marvel to the effect of, okay, we don't necessarily want to sell Spidey to you, but we will give you control of the character. Can it be effective? You can cast the next actor who plays Spider-Man. You can introduce him in a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. And, you know, we'll all go joyfully forward together with this character. And so that's how we got Captain America Civil War. And likewise, you know, that wonderful arc that played out between Avengers uh, Infinity Wars and Endgame. And then, of course, we had the, the for some reason, I, and I get, I don't understand this because they seem to have been getting along so well. And then we had this contest, you know, this, this pissing contest between Sony and Disney last summer that Tom Holland himself had to supposedly resolve by calling Disney and, you know, can we work this out? It, yeah, it feels like a real life parent trap in Hollywood. I don't, I don't. <laughs> Um, but and now I, I told this rather lengthy story that, that <laughs> Aaron repeatedly called BS on, and I'm sorry. <laughs> Again, I'm so, is, no, I, I apologize, because I know that there's got to be a point, The but I, I just, I can't fathom that this, any of this would be real according to the way it's being described. I just, it, it seems like, you know, the how there's a best doctor in the world and there's a worst doctor in the world. It's like whoever is working this case was the worst lawyer in the world is like, I don't know, guys, maybe we could get Spider-Man back, but I'm not going to tell the boss just in case I'm wrong, okay? Okay, you know, that, not to put too fine a point in it, but if Sony's lawyers were just as good as the guy who was handling IT during the hack, all right? And I'm just, I'm just saying. Well, see, though, Sony, at least according to this story, was the smart one who goes, hey, guess what, Disney? We'll let you put your character in one of your movies if you pay us. And Disney went, okay, that sounds like a deal, huh, guys? <laughs> That's the way the story is going. It's just like, oh, God. I, 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 I get it. But but now, all right, well, to, to, to put the cherry on, on the, the unlikely Sunday, uh, we've talked previously about Roger Wardell. That's the gentleman who's, who's put out a number of stories on Twitter about future Marvel Cinematic Universe projects. That's the one I claim is Feige's wife, right? Well, yes. That, okay, okay. Continue. <laughs> okay, Regina. Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. Well, on May 30th, uh, Roger tweeted this out. Disney understands the money-making powers of Spider-Man, while Sony is aware of being completely enabled to compete with the mouse at the moment. A new agreement should please many Marvel fans. So mm. something is mm. in the works. Sony is going to let Spider-Man appear in one of the Disney Plus series. <laughs> They've uh, got someone held hostage. That's all that I'm saying. Someone's in a dark room with a bag over their head. Again, oh. okay. this is now two Christmas parties. You've got us cut from the list. From I hope you're happy. You know, just, uh, you'll never see another Christmas party again, my friend. I'm sorry. This is very, very true. Okay, but but uh, to get back to Mr. Wardell. Worth noting that something else he tweeted out, and this is about Thor 4, which is the Love and Thunder, which, again, is supposed to 
begins shooting fairly soon. As I was explaining to Aaron when I, I, I shared this with him as we, we were getting ready to record tonight, I know these words are in English, but I did not understand them. But but uh, let me read them aloud, and Aaron will now translate. Okay. Uh, a version of Thor Core will make its way into the upcoming Thor 4. Notable members of the team include Beta Ray Bill, mm-hmm. Dargo Tor, Thunderstrike, Simon Wal- Walterston, Throg, Groot, Grimora, Sif, Angela, and Storm. And Roger Novell character will appear into Asgard. Okay. And, and okay. now my English to Marvel dictionary, you're, you're going to consult and explain this to me, right? I'll get you about halfway there. There's a couple that are a mystery to me just because, you know, I'm, I'm not familiar with all, was it 5,000 characters? But whatever. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Gamora, obvious. Mm-hmm. Groot, obvious. Mm-hmm. Sif, welcome back, sister. We missed you. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Angela and Storm. I want to put Angela on the shelf and get back to her in a second. Storm mm-hmm. of the X-Men Storm? Yeah. Is that her her introduction? I mean, welcome to the club and, and uh, what a way to welcome an X-Man because mm-hmm. Storm was rumored to be a goddess, the goddess of thunder, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, she wasn't just like a an African earthbound character. Mm-hmm. She was rumored to be a goddess. So mm-hmm. she could be from from the stars, from the Eternals, mm-hmm. from anywhere in that universe. So having her show up in in Thor Love and Thunder, that, that would be cool. Mm-hmm. Getting back to Angela on the shelf. I don't know mm-hmm. who she is. Mm-hmm. So we'll leave her on the shelf. Do you know her? I, I know an Angela, but not the Angela? Dargo Couture, not mm-hmm. familiar with. Thunderstrike, mm-hmm. not familiar with Simon Walterson. That I would not know Simon Walterson, except it has Throg mm-hmm. next to his name. And we've discussed Throg before. That is? Yes. Thorfrog. Thorfrog. Wow. I can't wait to see what happens with that. That'll be just as fun as, you know, when we were all like, how you, how on earth are you going to do a talking raccoon? Mm-hmm. That's just impossible. And and then it happened. And we all went, oh, that's, that's just great. Right? Wow. So I can't wait. Speaking of which, and and which now brings us to Beta Ray Bill. Yeah. And Beta Ray Bill, we've already seen within the MCU. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In uh, Thor Ragnarok, Beta Ray Bill's head was a sculpture as one of the champions on uh, that their planet from from the Grand Master. I can't Mm -hmm. remember what the name of the planet was, that all the trash was being dumped out of Satan's butthole. Mm Mm-hmm. And the way to recognize Beta Ray Bill is he's kind of got a long, almost like horse-shaped face. It's not an insult. If you see him drawn, you'd be like, that's a horse head on a human. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he's also usually wears a helmet similar to Thor with wings on the side, the oldest version of Beta Ray Bill, the classic version. <laughs> so, yeah, if, if you look in the backgrounds of one of the buildings, there's a, a long-faced uh, helmet-wearing creature. That's Beta Ray Bill. So we'll actually get to see him, which will be awesome. And then uh, the, the wrap it up, Roger Norwell, I thought it sounded like a character from Hitchhiker's Guide that should be uh, carrying a towel and drinking something almost and certainly not entirely like tea. I, I again, it's a probably a lesser Arthur Dent, but yeah, 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 yeah. that. But he could be someone totally cool, and I and I just don't know. I'm just going by the name. I have no idea who the character is. So I'm just going by a, a few we know, a few are new names, and a few. Uh, Storm is the most unexpected for me, mm-hmm. and I can't wait for that. And Roger has quite the, the the batting average, so to speak, when all of the info that he's previously shared. So it's certainly going to be interesting to see, you know, how many of these characters show up in Thor: Love and Thunder, and and in what context? Because I, honestly, if if you think about the fact that Beta Ray Bill has already shown up mm-hmm. via a sculpted head on mm-hmm. a building, who knows in what forms these characters could actually take form in? Because appearing in a movie could be loosely translated into, uh, um, God, I want to say there was at one point during one of the first Avengers where they mentioned something underwater that could have been Namor, mm-hmm. a Namor go. reference, and we still haven't gotten to it yet. Mm-hmm. So they could be fully cast characters. They could be name drops. And remember, just on, I think on our last episode, that in fact, I think it was Roger who sort of inferred that. The Hulk rights as well as the uh, the Namor rights seem to have gone back to Marvel. I don't know. It just 
It, it, no, it, here's it, the thing with Hulk. I got to say before we wrap this up, I don't even know what kind of story you can tell with Hulk right now because mm-hmm. most of his character issue that we're familiar with yep. is the the raging demon monster versus the man who's afraid to turn into the raging monster. And now that that has been settled within the MCU, what is what is the next version of the Hulk? Just a, an intelligent strong man? Is that is you know what's the conflict what's his what's his arc what's his story what's his evolution because you know hulk has to change and grow and evolve to be worthy of following otherwise he's just smart strong man well uh, this is where mrs feige comes in (laughs) and until she posts more stuff under uh, roger wardell we're just not going to know but we'll tell you what folks if if any of you have info you could share about dargo couture or for that matter roger norvell if you if you could reach out via twitter or or such we'd really appreciate it Uh, speaking of which again i guess i guess i should mention Social media-wise, uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Jim Hill Media and over on Facebook at Jim Hill Media News. And I guess this is the part of the show we do the plugs. Um, okay, so if you enjoyed what you listened to, listened to tonight, and if not, I'm sorry. I mean, seriously, that's the story I heard about the Spider-Man film rights. And not to say that, okay. that, that Aaron isn't right. It sounds a little fishy to me as well. But anyway, if you've enjoyed what you heard here tonight, I also do the Disney Dish podcast with Len Testa. We talked a lot about Drew Taylor today. Um, Drew and I do the fine tuning, which is animation news. We also do looking at Lucasfilm with Dan Z. And uh, we also have the Universal Joint with Dustin Fuse. Going to be recording a brand new one of those later this week. Uh, Likewise, and I want that Disney merch. Uh, Michelle Viotolid and I are going to do a, a show later this week. In fact, we're going to be talking about uh, the Silverado Vineyard, the, the Disney family-owned winery up in uh, the wine country. If you get over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be great as well. I guess this is the part where I apologize in advance because I'm pretty sure on the next show we're going to talk about COVID-19 again. We'll also have all of the new release dates that got changed from this week to... <laughs> The next series. and <laughs> You know, I, I think what we're missing here, Aaron, it, it's not a wheel. We need to make a bingo card. Oh. You know, you know, and just issue those to, you know, our marvelous Disney listeners. And, you know, the first one to get big now, bingo, we'll treat them to the opening night of, <laughs> of I don't, You know, no, bingo cards are so small when you're talking about a full year's worth of possible dates. I think we got to release a calendar. Okay. So we'll we'll do like uh you know the fireman calendar. <laughs> so it'll be you and me. <laughs> and, and we we don't have dad bods. We we're father figures. Oh, oh. <laughs> there we go. <Ba-da-ba>. Okay. <laughs> On that note, folks, we'll be back soon with a new show. Thanks for listening.